Hello, I'm David Old and this is Dual Citizens episode 9. Can we find justice in the Northern Territory? And back to free speech. Am I even allowed to talk about Russia inside Russia or outside? Well, first up this week is the latest matter to light Twitter ablaze with indignant fury, as it has in some places, the acquittal earlier this week of a Northern Territory police officer on murder charges. Now, to understand this situation, let's go back to the beginning. On the evening of November the 9th, 2019, Constables Zachary Rolfe and Adam Erbel were dispatched to a community centre in the remote, primarily indigenous town of Uendumu to arrest Kamanjai Walker, a 19-year-old indigenous man. Now, body-worn camera footage taken from Constable Rolfe's equipment tells the story better than any protracted courtroom battle possibly could, and we've linked to that in our show notes. Uh, What you see on that footage is that both officers calmly engage with Walker, who then claims that he is someone other than he is. They ask him to remain still while they hold up a photograph on a phone next to his face to determine his identity. Seemingly confident that the man in front of them is who they are after, Rolf asks Walker to turn around and put his hands behind his back. They're obviously going to put cuffs on him. Now at this point the situation rapidly changes. Uh, In the video you can see Walker pull out a pair of medical scissors and stab Constable Rolf in the shoulder. Uh, Seconds later, Rolf, with his partner struggling on the ground with the still-armed Walker, then fires a shot, followed by two more in quick succession, hitting Walker each time. That, of course, is what police here are trained to do when their or someone else's life is in danger. Rolf was charged with murder four days later, uh, the prosecution arguing that although the first shot dispatched by the officer was reasonable, the second and third were unlawful, despite the fact that when he was shooting, uh, uh, his colleague was rolling on the ground uh, with Walker, uh, worried about those scissors. Now, this week, the Northern Territory Supreme Court found Constable Rolf not guilty on all charges. A decision met with widespread anger from many, including, of course, the local UN Dumu community, indigenous advocacy groups, and concerned citizens in Sydney and Melbourne and elsewhere. David Edwardson, SC, Constable Rolf's defence barrister, uh, seems to make the most sense of the situation uh, as you see it. He argued in court that while Walker's death was undoubtedly and obviously a tragedy, it's never uh, a good thing when a young man dies, he did say the young man was, quote, the author of his own misfortune and that Rolf had acted with considerable bravery under the circumstances. Now, since the court case ended, further information has come to light, as it now can in the media, about Walker's personal history and the decision-making process behind the Northern Territory Police charges that provide important context to everything that's going on. Uh, News Corporation papers in particular have in recent days revealed Walker's extensive history of violence towards his long-term girlfriend. Uh, One story detailing many sickening attacks occurring over years, both in private and in front of family and community members. Unlike what some have been suggesting since his death, Walker quite clearly was not an innocent, upstanding young community leader gunned down mercilessly by a trigger-happy cop. As Walker lay dying in a UN Dumu police station, 
this is really interesting, the cohort of Northern Territory Health regional nurses who would normally have been stationed in the town's medical clinic were actually all away in Alice Springs. Why were they there? Well, they'd been forced to leave after months of relentless break-ins and destruction of property, including a number of instances of female nurses who were living alone, experiencing men attempting to break into their homes, all of which had left these uh, staff at their wits end. And so Northern Territory health bosses had actually evacuated them for their own safety. It's deeply tragic, isn't it, that Walker wasn't able to receive the emergency care that he needed because of, and let's be honest here, because of men like Walker. <laughs> now, none of this ought to be viewed in any attitude other than despair and grief. This is a picture of a community in crisis. It, it is terribly sad how this situation unfolded in November 2019. Yet the actions of Northern Territory Police in charging Rolf so soon after the event have also come under fire, with their police union accusing the force of acting in response to political agendas, charging the officer with murder before a proper investigation could be even be completed, and with scant evidence to mount a case. Uh, the parallels there with the George Floyd events in the US are striking. Now what do we make of it all? Well, we ought not forget that in all of this mess, there is still a family grieving and the dual citizen will want to mourn with those who mourn. Any death like this is a tragedy, not least because of the sad story of Walker. It, it didn't need to end up here. And it's always worth asking why young men like him get to the point where violence against women and then others is their normal behavior. It also raises questions around justice, and it's to that topic that I want to turn. Should Constable Rolf have even been charged in the first place? Uh, the Northern Territory Police Association are now asking for an independent inquiry into that decision amidst claims that it was a political decision more than anything else. The dual citizen ought to always long for justice to be done. Israel's prophets were scathing when justice could not be found amongst the people of God. So for example, Amos announces that God's judgment will fall on those who subvert justice, describing them as those who, and I'm reading now from Amos 5.10, who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. It's a sorry state, isn't it, when our society gets to that point where we hate justice and detest truth tellers. It's vital for the integrity of our legal system that justice is seen to be done. See, that's why we have such a high bar for conviction beyond reasonable doubt. Um, I used to know a, a successful defence barrister, he's now passed away, and he would defend some of Sydney's most famous, how can we put it, underworld personalities. I once asked him how he could do his job when he knew what unsavoury characters they were, and his answer has stuck with me. Everyone deserves a defense, he would tell me, if only to make sure that the prosecution actually does their job. He told me that more than once, having successfully defended a client, he'd speak with the prosecution and almost berate them for not doing their job properly. He defended the unsavory and the unpleasant out of a zeal for justice. I love that great scene in the 1966 film, A Man for All Seasons, where Sir Thomas More refuses to bend the law in order to imprison a clearly evil man. When challenged that he'd let even the devil go free, his response is brilliant. Yes, I'd give the devil benefit of law for my own safety's sake. You see, we mess with the law and its just application 
and then nobody is safe. So morally guilty men will go free. That is the cost of making sure that the innocent are not imprisoned. It's, it's a real tension. Uh, of course, the dual citizen is able to live with this tension because we know that human courts are not the final say. There is a day when all the books will be opened and true justice will be done by the God of all the earth who always does what is right. Because, because God is truly just, we, we long to uphold justice here and now and, and the dual citizen ought to be known for acting justly. But we also rest in the assurance that justice will be done even if we can't see it or even achieve it now. Now, of course, that great truth also ought to make us shudder. Since when the books are opened on us, the truth about us will be known. Who can stand in the face of that justice? Well, the Bible tells us there is a way, of course. Jesus takes upon himself the just anger of God against our sin if we trust him to do so. And this is the way the Apostle Paul reminds us that God can remain just in that he judges sin and yet declare us to be righteous even when we are clearly not. And that's the gospel, isn't it? So the dual citizen loves justice. We love justice when it happens in human courts. We love God's justice in the heavenlies. And most of all, we love that Jesus has dealt with God's justice for us. So we turn once again to the war in Ukraine. It is dominating the news and our thinking, isn't it? And, and it's now surely obvious that there is a large scale effort by Russia to censor any information that is being disseminated to its people about its invasion of its neighbor. In fact, you can't even call it an invasion. It's still a special military operation. Uh, many leaders and political commentators have been quick to point out that the outrageous restriction of speech that is occurring there is something almost unprecedented. Despite this crackdown, there have been some remarkable scenes of people seeking to speak out. Even this week, one Russian journalist who works for the state broadcaster Channel One has been arrested for coming onto live TV and holding up a sign that advocated for no war with Russia. Uh, before this, the journalists had made a video about the state lies that the Kremlin has been pushing constantly uh, throughout her career at that network uh, that she says now she is ashamed to have had a part in distributing. Uh, elsewhere, uh, we've got video of other Russian citizens being arrested in brutal fashion for even holding up signs uh, that simply have the two words, two words written upon them. Uh, some are even being dragged off for holding up blank signs. Uh, professor of Cybersecurity Paul Haskell-Dowland uh, and lecturer Mahiuddin Ahmed from Cowan University note that more than 85% of Russians use the internet. Uh, but since the invasion began, the population has found themselves censored from accessing Facebook, Twitter and Netflix and other similar uh, uh, programs and apps in an effort to control the information that they're getting. Now, on a deeper level, what does this reflect about our own culture? That's the question. And our propensity to cancel, restrict, and limit free speech within our own national borders. Russia is now looking to create something similar to the Great Firewall of China, that, that Chinese Communist Party's interconnected censorship system, which in China blocks IP addresses, domains, and improves the state packet inspection that searches for banned content and sensitive information or data, all while removing the capability of individuals to access remote VPNs. 
by any assessment, this current day suppression and censorship of Russian media is alarming, which makes the protests that we're seeing all the more remarkable. There is a genuine bravery amongst many Russians. Even as we prepared to record this, I was seeing reports of mass protests in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg. The authorities keep arresting people, but the crowds continue to grow. True courage. The Western media, which is now, we've got to say, no longer trusted like it once was, it's covering the Ukraine war with mostly balanced reporting. It, it seems that after years of effectively one-sided commentary on various issues at home, the media might have come full circle on the war in Ukraine. Good on them. Uh, we might say that they are also speaking truthfully and clearly, but then it is a lot easier when the penalty is so much less. When Russia announced its new law against so-called false reporting on the Ukraine war, Western agencies mostly packed up and left and reported on Russian protests from the safety of other countries. And the point is this, perhaps in all this we're, we're getting a better in insight into some of the double standards that have been floating around. So, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau recently praised Ukraine for protecting Western freedoms in a speech that he gave in Munich. The irony, of course, is that Trudeau has recently restricted the freedoms, not least the freedom of speech, of Canadian truck drivers all across his country, even going to the extent of freezing bank accounts of these drivers and anyone else who funded them. Perhaps such a tone-deaf speech on authoritarianism hasn't quite been truly appreciated uh, in this wider context. See, on the one hand, Western leaders have rightly condemned Russia for its actions and the conduct of censorship that's going on in its country, but the past few years of censorship, cancel culture, and a mob mentality which sees speech as something dangerous that needs to control, be controlled in our countries is the very authoritarian mindset that's being denounced elsewhere. Uh, it's not just overseas, you see. In our own very own Q&A here in Australia last week, host Stan Grant kicked out a Melbourne University student for asking an obviously pro-Russia question on the programme. Although many Australians disagreed with the comments and position that the student made and talk, and I'd certainly be one of them, this is Australia's premier discussion programme. It purports to offer an opportunity for ideas to be openly discussed and weighed in a civil manner. Instead, the host Grant decided that these views were harmful, equated them with violence, and then had the speaker ejected from the audience. And it was also unnecessary. The panel were there to discuss ideas, not to silence them. If the pro-Russian position was as flimsy as Grant suggested, then surely one of the panellists could have shown us by doing the very thing that they were there to do, freely discuss the ideas. And so the deep, deep irony, Q&A, a discussion programme, shuts down any discussion of the merits of a particular world leader's actions and justify it by pointing out that he shuts down any discussion of his own actions. Now, this isn't the first time we've discussed free speech on dual citizens, and I'm sure it won't be the last. Freedom of speech is perhaps, no, certainly the bedrock of free society. Everything else builds upon it. You have to debate and write down a constitution before you build a nation upon it. 
Authoritarians target speech above all things precisely because words are so very, very powerful. They convey ideas and ideas can bring revolutions. Ideas allow me to express why I think Putin is wrong to invade Ukraine or a government is wrong to insist on widespread vaccine mandates. More than that, they allow me to persuade others of the truth of my position. And of course, they allow others to argue the contrary view. Ultimately, freedom of speech is the defense of freedom. Indeed, it's the speech that we're free to have that allows us to defend all our other freedoms. But for the dual citizen, there is, of course, another reason why we value free speech so much. The freedom to speak is the freedom to speak the gospel. And it's a spoken word that brings the greater freedom. Here's how Jesus puts it, John 8, 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my words, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or the Apostle Paul, uh, quoting Isaiah, Romans 10. How then, he says, can they call on the one they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So here is why the dual citizen has a particular interest in free speech amongst our fellow citizens. It's because we long for them to be dual citizens too. Not only exercising their freedom in the earthly citizenship that we share with them, but knowing the great freedom and glory of the children of God. And that's worth speaking up for. Well, there's a few other things going on in the news that you probably want to be keeping your eye on, and we certainly are here at Dual Citizens Central. Uh, lots of economic stuff going on uh, because of supply chain issues and so on. Lots of things are getting more expensive. The price of a coffee is seven bucks, some are saying might be. Uh, petrol's now well above $2 a litre, uh, getting close to $3 in some places. Uh, as a result of sanctions, Russia, it seems, is increasingly integrating its financial system into China's. Is that building an economic powerhouse there? Are there perhaps some even bigger economic shocks on the way for all of us? Don't miss out watching for those issues uh, that are bubbling up, uh, even as the uh, Ukraine crisis uh, maintains the, the greatest headline of all. Well, that's it for another week. Uh, we'd love for you to be talking to us. Please do uh, engage with us on the socials, on Twitter, on Facebook. Please do subscribe to YouTube and to our podcast channels. Hey, why don't you drop us a review on iTunes or elsewhere? Let other people know what you think about dual citizens. Send us an email, uh, use the contact form on the website. Maybe you want to let us know what you'd like us to be talking about in weeks to come. But for now, my name is David Old and this was Dual Citizens Episode 9.